This episode is sponsored by Furniture Box. Check them out in the description below. Guys, welcome back to the Ground Floor Podcast, the podcast where we are successful people exactly how they did it. Uh, our guest today is a really special one. We have Teddy Levenfish and Marissa Poster from Perfect Ted, which is a matcha-powered energy drink that recently got all five offers on Dragon's Den. So guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks Thank for you. having us. <laughs> That's a smile on your face as we introduced you. I just think it's so weird because you were like, this is a podcast where we interview people that are successful and yeah. that is just not the word. I mean, getting all five I was going to say, there, there is an element of success there, let's successful. be honest. Thank yeah, you. I think it's relative, right? It's like, yeah. and I think, you know, we were just speaking about before imposter syndrome, yeah. it probably creeps in there when we hear those kind of words, but yeah. yeah you, guys, you guys have that, really, at this point? Oh my God, syndrome, really? 100%. And we asked actually Stephen, who obviously is someone that we look yeah. up to and respect so much, we said to him, you know, do you feel like, do you think it's, do you ever think about how you got to the position that you are in today? and ever feel uncomfortable he's like of course you know and i think for us when we're constantly you know being asked how do you feel do you feel successful to be i don't know how you feel but to be honest i don't, I don't feel that way i think it's just because we're working so hard to continue growth mm. and it's difficult to take a pause to kind of reflect on everything that we have accomplished um imposter syndrome is definitely it looms, mm -hmm. but I would say I just think it's because we're so focused on the future that we sure. can't really take stock of what we've done. Um, though we're trying to do that more often by practicing mindfulness. It also moves so quickly. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. a couple months before Dragon's Den, we were asking people if they wanted us to come on the podcast and people weren't super keen yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you get tons of people saying, hey, you want to yeah. come on the podcast? Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, we've noticed that. There's people that have, that have said like, well, maybe in the future. And it's like, well, maybe in the future we won't have you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to pick your battles. So yeah, uh, no, but it means a lot that you guys came on today. No, it does. Um, yeah, it so does. if you just take us sort of right back to the beginning, how did, how did this all uh, originate? Sure. Yeah, sure. I can kind of take you back to where we first were introduced to matcha. So take take about eight years back. Um, I'll take us about eight years back. And we were studying at university. I was just downing coffee, energy drinks to try to stay awake in the library for like 12 hours. Really unsustainable, very unhealthy. I have ADHD and anxiety and- Likewise. Oh, um, Likewise too, actually, yeah. Wow, yeah. both? Both. Do you have ADHD? Yeah. Do you actually? I actually do. Wow, that's me new every day. Okay. Wow. Well, it's it's super common, and so um, and that's one of the reasons why I think the the product has resonated with so many people. But I'll get back into the story. So basically, I couldn't function. I was so anxious because I was getting the jitters from the caffeine. Mm. I was experiencing crashes, which made me feel super down, and I couldn't focus. Um, and I just knew there needed to be a, a better way. And a friend recommended that I try matcha. I didn't realize that it was caffeinated. Um, and it also had all these other health benefits beyond providing a different type of caffeine, um, which is longer lasting, anxiety free, reduces anxiety, um, actually. So I tried it, changed my life, recommended it to Teddy and Levi, who were both playing football at the time. Yeah. and believe it helped with your with your athletic performance and academic performance um, and then we moved to the UK and we realized that there were very few quality matcha options on the market and there were no drinks that were canning it yeah 
So we kind of took a look around the natural energy space. And again, we were pretty underwhelmed by the options. None of them were providing the kind of energy that I could tolerate. And none of the brands resonated with me, especially as women, because they were all super hyper-masculine. And we just felt there needed to be a better way. Mm -hmm. So that's when we came up with the concept to launch the UK and Europe's first matcha-powered energy drinks. This was eight years ago. No, no, sorry. This my introduction to matcha was eight, eight years, years ago, ago. Okay. but we started the brand two years ago and launched the drinks in October of 2021. So what was happening in that sort of six year interim? I graduated, which was yeah. great, yeah, so yeah. did Teddy. And both of us were working in um, finance. So he was in management consulting um, for finance companies and I was working in real estate private equity. Mm-hmm. And um, then moved to London to pursue a master's in innovation, entrepreneurship, and management. What about you, Ted? Yeah, no, you covered that. <laughs> well, where were you living? Oh, no, I was living in Los Angeles, where, oh, okay. which is like the mecca for matcha. Sure. So when I moved back to the UK, I was obviously disappointed. And yeah. we, I yeah. think we wanted to create the change that we wanted to see ourselves. So. You, you made a really interesting point there when you said, uh, and I, it's something I've never considered before, which is that all of the energy drink options that you saw were like quite hyper-masculine. And it's not something probably as a guy that I would think about, but then, then I would think about it, it's like monster, relentless. Like yeah. Yeah, it is true. super. Right. So that's it what is. I, I yeah, would yeah. never have thought of that. It is. It's, it's not just, I think, super hyper-masculine, but it also, they're just copies of the same thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, they provide the same kind of energy. So when we think about the energy category, there are sort of three waves. The first wave was, monster red bull focus on providing one thing at whatever cost which was energy the second wave is the likes of tenzing and and virtue tenzing i believe you've had on on the podcast and that provides the same kind of energy but using natural ingredients i think consumers today just take natural ingredients as a given so we've innovated on the type of energy which kind of marissa alluded to which is longer lasting jitter-free crash-free anxiety-free and if you think about it we also thought about what what does it mean to have a Red Bull out on your desk at work? You had a big night and you're hungover and you mm. need kind of the caffeine to help get you through mm. the day. It's not necessarily something you'd be proud to hold. We wanted to create something that you would feel comfortable having at work and actually recommend to your colleagues um, to help you stay productive, focused mm. and energized throughout the day. Sure. And doesn't, it doesn't indicate a hangover, basically. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, 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 I think yeah. this is. Uh, I think this may be a perfect time. It to, is to open to it. They're uh, kind enough to bring uh, bring their product down. I like oh. the can. Thank yeah, you. I really like the. I really like the design. Where like did the name Perfect Ted come from? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Uh, great question. This was a really fun exercise. Okay. When we thought about brands that we admired, they all had human names in them, and it made sense to us because people are more likely to relate to another person thank you that really is delicious i've got pineapple yeah. use it i've got pineapple too sorry to interrupt you but that, that <laughs> is, that is there was some also nice asmr in there as well when you were <laughs> right in front of the camera there you go Ooh, crisp that is lovely it's really tasty thank you that's so nice lovely yeah that's really it. like that <laughs> that's actually <laughs> really, really like good oh sorry you were saying so and it's not too sorry it's not too like overpoweringly sweet well there's no added sugar so it's right. literally water fruit and matcha Super simple. Wow. No. And it's got the same amount of caffeine as, okay, one cup of coffee. And a Red Bull. And so we've Red standardized Bull. Okay. it for Red Bull. We wanted people to have that frame of reference. Sure. So to know that they're getting the same amount of caffeine, but a different type of energy. And so does this mean, 
in terms of like crashing and stuff like that, what does this mean for how that works? I don't really know. Well, I, don't, I don't drink coffee, so I don't know much about, about the, that side of it. Let us know in four hours. She gets <laughs> 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 an angry email. What have you done? Yeah, if you crash, we'll give you a refund. Okay. Wow. Um, I can I can explain the crash, yeah. but I'll, I'll finish touching on yes, the please name. Say. Yeah. So we looked around. We love brands like Deliciously Ella, Jimmy's yeah. Ice Coffee, and we felt we could resonate with them more because they're humans, not inanimate objects. Um, and so we wanted to have a human name. And Levi's, our you know our third co-founder, and his name is taken unfortunately okay. by the popular denim brand. Yeah. My name's a bit of a mouthful, so it kind of left us with Teddy. And <laughs> you said that so reluctantly, <laughs> and I'm perfect. Obviously. <laughs> Regressively, we had to go with Teddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We had to go with Teddy, yeah. and um, we also felt it was a play on words for perfected. Yeah. And we really love the conversation that ensues when people are like, "Is it perfect, Ted? Is it perfected?" And we say we're on a mission to create perfected products, and we're constantly iterating to continue making them better. Mm. That- what, what, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say that's interesting because I didn't even think of perfected. I thought of perfect ten, like if something's a perfect ten. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, I think I think what's super interesting is there's a massive trend nowadays to celebrities launching brands. Right, you have Kim Kardashian and Skims, and, and mm. she's been incredibly successful from that front. You have Logan Paul and KSI with Prime. Yeah, yeah. And so you can either be a celebrity launching a brand or you can create celebrities out of a brand. And Mercer and I are by no means celebrities. <laughs> but what we've learned from Stephen Bartlett is that if you invest in a personal brand um, and you have success within a business, people will start to listen to you mm. and you'll start to have influence. And I think the fact that we use our product every day, the fact that Stephen uses it every day, we're starting to build up a, a mm. reputation as to how we can help people feel their best selves. Because ultimately, whatever product we launch, we want to create a brand where whatever product we put out into the market you know that if you consume that or if you use that it will just help you feel your best self yeah, yeah, yeah. sure can you just talk us through the formulation process yeah yeah sure. absolutely so this has to do with why matcha gives you a jitter and anxiety and crash free type of energy right so we chose obviously matcha because i'd been drinking it forever and again it's a more sustainable s- source of caffeine um that your body can process better mm. So matcha is a type of powdered green tea that's super rich in antioxidants, amino acids, and caffeine. An amino acid within matcha called L-theanine in combination with caffeine allows your body to absorb the caffeine over a longer period of time. So it's not rushing your system. Um, And thus you're able to experience longer lasting energy, but it's also a more leveled type of energy. Right. L-theanine also stimulates the brain's production of alpha waves, and these are brain waves that make you feel relaxed. In fact, they're okay. the same brain wave that's reached during meditation. So interestingly, Interesting. okay. matcha was consumed by monks in, I, I guess, when was it, 1200 AD? Sure. No one here really knows. No one fact that. Exactly. About 800 years ago. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, but but math. was your question more around Sorry. like how how you formulate a beverage? Yeah, or? no. So 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 what was your process? Obviously, you had the idea. You, you kind of got introduced to matcha, and then you yeah. thought, okay, we're going to take it to the canned product. How yeah. did you then go from wanting to build the canned product to actually building the canned product? Sure. So I think most food and beverage brands are are founded in the kitchen, yeah. right? You, you take a concept for an idea, product, and you start to cook it yourselves. And in the case of us, it was taking a soda stream, creating some sparkling water, playing around with different fruits 
um, and and working and networking with farms in Japan to find a grade of matcha that we were obsessed with. Okay, so this was all pretty much self-made then. You didn't go to any sort of dietitians or so, any, or sort of any, anyone like that to actually construct it or formulate it. Yeah, so the first iteration was yeah. was self-made, and okay. then we worked with um, a beverage developer, SH Foodie, that actually helped Huel and um, Trip and some other some other great drinks brands, and took that kitchen recipe to a commercial recipe because I think. You know, when you when you scale up something that you've made in the kitchen, it needs to be a lot more watertight from a mm. from a yeah quality perspective. And so, in terms of actually getting it from the kitchen to actually sort of lab testing it and getting whatever it needs to be done on the sort of official side, yeah. what was the startup capital involved in that? Um, so we launched on Kickstarter when we didn't have a product, we hadn't had a finalized right. brand, we didn't have a finalized recipe or anything, just to understand if there was product market fit and if there was actually going to be demand for a product other than from, from people other than ourselves. Mm. And we raised, we, we sold £10,000 worth of product in 24 hours off of zero wow. marketing budget. Wow. And we then basically used those £10,000 to fund the rest of the recipe and the rest of the branding process. Can you talk wow. us through the Kickstarter process? Kind of how, 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 I mean, I suppose how you made it so successful. Because sure. we haven't really gone into that with, with other videos. Right. We looked at a lot of Kickstarters yeah. um, that were successful and we felt it was all down to the video. Um, and this kind of plays into, I guess, our strategy now, um, which is around kind of media and the quality of the, the production. So we invested actually relatively not so much money, um, but at the time, it felt like a lot sure. into producing a very engaging. It was like fifteen hundred dollars, right? Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. But at the beginning, that yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it was very punchy. It was actually inspired by the Dollar Shave Club advertisement yeah. that is very famous. Yeah. And I think that is what drew people in. And eventually, we were voted a Kickstarter project. We, um, we love uh, by the Kickstarter staff, and that helps kind of bump up your project in the algorithm. Right. The, the reason we love coming to speak with you and, and sort of these opportunities and what you're, you're doing here is because we have a massive emphasis on media. So if you look at the structure of our, of our team and our company, it wouldn't resemble a traditional drinks company. So a traditional drinks company will have a field sales team, they'll have account managers. Mm. They'll be very much selling the product by getting out there and putting it in front of people and getting them to taste it. We've taken a very much like brand-led approach mm. and media-led approach. So if you look at our company now and as, you, as it transitions over the next few months, it should resemble more of a media company. If you look at Red Bull, mm. it's a media company that sells drinks, not a drinks company that sells yep. content. Yeah, that's a very good point. Absolutely, yeah. it's so true. How much of that was your initial input and how much of that was Steven? Because obviously for anyone that hasn't seen The Dragon's Den, you did get all five offers yeah. and you ended up accepting a split between Peter Jones and, and Steven. That was nuts, Butler. right? That's pretty insane. <laughs> pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was pretty and cool. even today, you guys still find that crazy, do you not? I want to do it again. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, touching, on the touching on the Dragon's Den process, because um, we've had guests before that have been on Dragon's Den and, and actually one of our other, uh, older guests also got five offers and he was saying how the pitch process is actually like two and a half hours and it's like a long game. Yeah. It's funny because we saw so many comments afterwards that were like, seriously, they got five offers after 14 minutes of pitching. That's it. Mm. And people don't see that we were in yeah. there for an hour and a half mm. and they're grilling you. I mean, there is no break. Poor Teddy was so ill at the time. <laughs> and you hit that very well, by the way. Really? I would never have I had Glenn. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't I clock. I nearly yeah, pulled out the morning off. Oh, really? Yeah. He was so sick and he kept on taking water breaks. But that, besides that, that was yeah. it. Yeah. I 
I mean, we we were. It was ruthless. What sort of questions were they asking you? Off air. Oh, okay. The kind of questions yeah. that you didn't see if yeah. you'd watched our yeah. episode. Um, there were a few questions around like exit strategy. Okay. The the one included. There were a few more questions into the financials. I think, again, to Marissa's point about people thinking that we got five offers after fourteen minutes was. And then, you know, there were some comments like, we didn't even ask them about the financials. Marissa and I both have sort of finance, private equity backgrounds. So for us, the financial piece, we went in there and we knew our numbers. That was one thing that we mm. were going to go in and do was smash our numbers and then defend the brand. Um, yeah, yeah. I, have, I have heard that. If you're going to go on Dragons, then know your numbers. I feel like that's the area that most people fall down on. Mm. Yeah. the numbers and they stutter on it. Or they but, go in with like a ludicrous valuation. Or they go in with a ludicrous valuation. Yeah. Just, just I think yeah. the thing that's overlooked most is that... Um, the dragons are really investing in the entrepreneurs. And you know, when Steven backs us, he's backing us and the team, not necessarily just the product or the brand itself. I think the product, ha there's a baseline, right? The mm. product has to be great. Sure. And then it's down to the, the founding team. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so what's the relationship been like then with Steven and Peter post, post Dragon's Den? Sure, How's so um, I think we can say Probably, yeah, we, a TGF exclusive coming yeah, right yeah. up. Yeah, I think this is a TGF exclusive. Yeah. We ended up, I, I won't go into the details, but we ended up not doing a deal with Peter Jones. Um, so in terms of like actual investors, Stephen Bartlett's our only investor. Right. And Am I the, allowed to ask why? Um, or is that, is that a sensitive topic? Good journalism, Skeeve. I think in terms of <laughs> what makes most sense for the brand, he's super aligned, super involved. And as we build out sort of this media strategy, there's no one better at the helm to sort of advise us on that front. Yeah. In terms of the relationship, it's very close. I mean, uh, we're, we're WhatsApp friends. And I think, you know, the advice we get from Stephen is everything from as detailed as, hey, when you release that piece of content, you zoomed zoomed out on the face too much, engagement will have dropped, keep the frame tight on the face. Oh, wow. To, so he gets that granular. Wow. That yes. granular to, um, hey, I think we should start building out a strategy, you, you know, within the media. We should start, basically, we have a full-time videographer now following us around oh, okay. um, for all he's meetings, not, interactions. He's not here with us because he's finishing our weekly vlog. Yeah. Okay. So, so That's so cool. So you guys have got brilliant. a, you essentially got a kind of behind the scenes YouTube channel then vlogging your journey. Yeah, a hundred percent. And the plan is to basically pitch a docu-series to a streamer like Netflix. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, That's so a very cool. good idea. Yeah. That's, That's so original. But I mean, it's, it's so clearly, I mean, content is the model. It, it just really is. is. Content is currency. Yeah, it and is. attention is currency and it's only getting more and more like that. And that's such a buzzword, you know, attention is the new, but it is so no, true. true. And, and and I love what you said about the media company thing because I think, yeah, you're right. No drinks companies are doing that. But when you think of the best one or the biggest one, like Red Bull, yeah, yeah you're right. They're a media company that makes drinks. Because, sorry, were you going to say something? You, you asked before, had we been focused on content and media prior to working with Steven. Right, yeah. And we actually always have mm. um, had that focus. It's been really important to us. And I think it's it's more the kind of content that has changed a bit. Um, we have always put an emphasis on funny kind of skit style um, pieces of content. And we're going to continue doing that because it's very, um, you know, it's important to our brand. But we're also fo focusing more on pieces that create value for strangers. Um, so what can what can people take away from this video? Mm. Um, can Will they laugh? Will they get a helpful piece of advice? Um, is it just entertaining? So there's so many ways that you can provide value, but how can we bring that value to people? So mm. that's kind of the 
the new focus of our content. So on that media front, um, in an age where, uh, and I asked this of quite a few guests, but I think it's an important question, especially given the model that you're taking. In an age where everyone is on social media and everyone's making content, you know, and you have zero followers or, you know, maybe 12 from family and friends, how do you go from that? Everyone's trying to go viral. Everyone's trying to hit the algorithm. How do you stand out in that way? I wish I had 12 friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a friend. We'll put we'll we'll some sad music under yeah. that. <laughs> I think it's consistency. Mm. I think it's consistently posting and trying new things, and when they don't work, pivot and do something else um, quickly. And really, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, you have to continually post and put yourself out there see what works, see what doesn't, see what resonates with people, try mm. to increase engagement. Um, so really, I guess it's more about creating that community mm. than anything. Um, and that's something we're really focused on through our content strategy. I, I think it sounds incredibly cliche, but to me, a big part of what we're doing and a big part of our strategy for hopefully being successful one day <laughs> is, like Marissa said, consistency. And there are so many people that say they're going to do things and they don't do it. Mm. You know, and we from a media perspective, we make it mandatory. So if you ask Steven, he makes it mandatory for his team, investors, people on the board to post on LinkedIn and to invest in their own personal brands. Yeah. Wow. Every single person on our team, whether you're in operations and you're operations manager, whether you're a field sales exec, whether you're in sales, whatever it is, you need to build your personal brand. Mm. And so when people see me on LinkedIn or see Marissa on LinkedIn, they may be thinking, they can't be that busy if they have time to post on LinkedIn. What they don't see is that often we'll be up till like 1, 2 a.m. in the morning after we've had a day of work doing mm. all of the shit that you have to do mm. running a drinks business or a media business or whatever. And we're writing that LinkedIn post mm. because that content is not a nice to have. It is a must and it's an integral part of our proposition, like adding value, whether it's through LinkedIn, TikTok. Again, there are some people that are running corporations they might be 50 60 year olds and they view tiktok as like a nice to have or they view content as a nice to have mm. it's not like you said it's currency and it's it's core to our brand yeah. and so how do you kind of maintain authenticity then throughout all the content that you post because i feel like it's so easy just to post content for the sake of posting content yeah how do you actually maintain that i think we're fortunate enough that we're very fortunate in that we have a lot of material okay. we didn't always have that yeah you know before we got our tesco listing we weren't you know, announcing, and we, we don't just announce listings. If you look at people's LinkedIn content, it's mostly, I'm delighted to share that I've just joined yeah. this company, or I'm delighted to share yeah. I just got promoted. So true. You'll never see that from us. And I think authenticity comes through um, in the type of content that we put out there. Having said that, it is an incredibly hard thing to be that vulnerable in front of people that, that don't know you. And I've- And a lot uh, of times maybe don't wanna see you do well. No, and I put out content where I'm like, yeah, 100%. I put out content where I've been shot down and it doesn't feel good, especially mm -hmm. after Dragon's Den. We opened ourselves up to millions of people yeah, chatting shit about us that don't yeah. know us. The Daily Mail wrote an article about us that, like, they didn't even spell our names right. They didn't even get Stephen Bartlett's name right. That right. sounds like the Daily Mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there. So, yeah. Top-notch journalism. Vulnerability, yeah, exactly. I think, is is the biggest challenge. For people that are on the LinkedIn uh, doing the kind of thing that you mentioned where everyone's doing the same thing of like, I'm delighted to share X, Y, Z. And you said, you know, you, if you if you had a partnership, you don't just announce it. No. What what do you do? And what would you advise people if they have a business? How, how should they go about it? Yeah. Every time we have a big announcement, we try to kind of incorporate some 
piece of advice to other founders. Um, maybe it's how we got the listing. So, for instance, we just launched Nationwide with Joe and the Juice. Um, Which, by the way, yeah, when, globally, I, when I saw that post, that was such an ingenious way of getting through to Joe and the Juice. I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw it. I haven't. Like, I'll tell you about it, but it was ingenious. It involved the post box. I want to hear very, it. Very, very cool. Can I, we pause I, and go to that? Sure, yeah. I can explain, and then I'll and then I'll go back yes. to the point about how um, people can make their announcements better. Yeah. Sorry, so, I keep taking you on tangents, but it's like it's just. Sorry, so I just thought about when you said Joe yeah. the juice. I was like, okay, we have to share that. Basically, what happened was we received an inbound email from their product development team saying that they wanted to add matcha to their menu. So we sent samples, and then they went quiet. So we knew we had to work with them because we love their brand and we felt like we were the best partners suited to bring matcha to their menu. So Teddy actually had a look at their company manifesto on their website and it said that their mission was to be on the cover of the Rolling Stones magazine, which is which was questionable at the time, but now that we know them, it makes a lot of sense. Right. And we took that as an opportunity to create our own Rolling Stone cover. and take a photo with a Joe and the Juice cup and our matcha powder and put that basically onto the cover of this Rolling Stone magazine. We actually edited out Joe and the Juice's logo because we didn't want to get them in trouble because we were plastering it all over everything um, on their street. So we went to their headquarters and then basically just found like every route from the station, the bus stop, just anywhere that people could be walking from into the office and we put this poster on um on whatever and um we we posted a photo the other day mm. of the poster on a post box and it was a joe and the juice with a perfect head yeah head. yeah yeah basically and and you know when we came to pitch them they said oh my god i see your brand everywhere and i think that's just <laughs> a great lesson in subliminal marketing and, yeah, and a great example of we've had situations where we've literally we, we do a lot of shopper stalking. So we'll, well, that it sounds really creepy. It's yeah, not. explain it. <laughs> yeah, I want this on the record, the yeah. explanation. Don't just cut that. No. That's what we got time for. Yeah. <laughs> we'll stand in, in supermarket aisles. We'll watch people go to pick up a perfect head, maybe pick up something else, or they'll pick up, pick up a competitive product. And we'll ask them why. And I think, again, there's a lot of bigger brands that are just sitting in an office, mm. but that's not where our business is done. Our business is done on the shelf. It's really interesting That's to say that because we had we had the founder of Jewel on the other day, um, mm. and he was saying to us exactly the same thing. Of it's so important to actually understand your customer, mm. and so many companies are just not doing it. Something as mm. simple as picking up the phone and saying, "Okay, you purchased X, you know, product from our website. What were you doing when you purchased the product? What yeah. other products were you looking at?" It's exactly the same concept. Yeah, just uh, obviously standing in a, in a shop. One hundred percent. And actually, <laughs> we have like a customer service team now that's led by my mom. Okay. Wow. So my mom reads every angry email, every happy email. Yeah, yeah. And, that's my boy yeah and exactly and, and what's amazing is she cares as much as us yeah so that's really nice yeah say hi to my mom when you email us I will <laughs> so, uh, so so with the Joe and the Juice thing so you made this poster you put it all the way on the route and then did they because I thought you were going to say they saw it they emailed us and said this is really cool but no, they didn't contact they don't even realise no. they saw it so, but they'd seen it and so when you said they went quiet how did the then chain pick up they were just busy they were right. just busy and they, I believe they received many samples from other companies, but they liked ours the best. Sure. Um, so it came down to the product quality, which is always Rich, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so Definitely. funny, like that that saying of like, don't sweat the small stuff yeah. is thrown around so much, but honestly, we sweat the, we sweat the small stuff. But that's the small stuff that makes a difference. Yeah, we Absolutely. Because there's a lot of things people overlook. 
Yeah, we got obsessive. Yeah. Um, but back to the LinkedIn point. Well remembered. <laughs> yeah. I was racking my brain. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I knew there was something wrong <laughs> to learn to. Yeah. We we feel that you you can't just brag. You can't just say, oh, we're in 800 stores. Check us out. We want to bring value to people beyond just telling them where they can find us. And so it's either us sharing the Joe and the Juice story and showing people we did this crazy marketing tactic to try to, you know, make them think of our brand. And when it came down to them choosing, they they thought they had seen the brand everywhere because they physically had without realizing it. Mm. And um, or it's about, um, you know, the emotional kind of process behind what happened and how we processed it and how we dealt with it um so it's really just trying to bring lessons um learnings to people and we we get a lot of feedback saying that it's pretty useful so i think if if founders or anyone really who's who's announcing something positive about themselves or their business on linkedin can add some value in there to other people beyond just sharing your news i think it would make for a much better post truthfully it's it's a really tough time out there for small businesses medium-sized business all businesses i think in general mm. and so there is some winning successful content that you can put out that will inspire people and there's other successful content you can put out there about a win that will just make others feel like shit. Mm. And so, you know, entrepreneurs are predisposed to higher rates of mental health conditions mm. and depression and et cetera. And I think for us, it's like, how can we build up others? I have incredible respect for anyone who launches, for you guys, anyone who launches any business, any venture, any side hustle, whatever, because it's emotionally really, really hard. And unless you've mm. done it, you, I don't think people realize how hard it is. Yeah, I do think that's exclusive know. to entrepreneurs, though. I do, th- I do think yeah. it's only really entrepreneurs that appreciate or respect other entrepreneurs that have actually mm. started a business because yeah. only they understand just what it takes to actually get it up and running. Yeah, yeah. you just don't know. I mean, no, it's, it's, it's like what I was saying before when we were talking off the air about how you know, even with even with our studio, you know, we thought even doing this, we thought, oh yeah, we just get some cameras and mics and put them in a room. We didn't see all of the problems that came with it and yeah. how much you know. But you wouldn't realize that unless you've no. done it. And so, having done that, you do look at other entrepreneurs and go. I know what you've done. Even if yeah. it seems shiny and easy on yeah, the outside, yeah. I know exactly how much shit you had to yeah. eat. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And it's why I'd never pass judgment on another brand or product without really understanding like the business. And also, it's amazing Stephen's team because we'll ask them for advice on some you know, topics or issues. And if they themselves are not well positioned to offer advice on that topic, we had it today, they won't offer advice or they'll point us in the right direc- direction for the right resource. There are so many people out there when we started that preyed on the fact that we were young. You know, mm. we're both, I just turned 26, Marissa's 26, and people that were older than us thought that they could just tell us how it is or push us around or try and get equity for advising us. And then there were people that older than us that told us it would never work and that it was too niche and that it wasn't gonna be mainstream ever. And you know, I posted on LinkedIn after we just won a great taste award of the feedback that we got that I don't like the taste, this is bad, this is whatever. So as an entrepreneur you have to have a certain level of delusion i think mm. to to make it work Completely. yeah i was going to ask you about that but what gave you the confidence to know that your product there was a demand for your product when you've got people who are in the industry criticizing it as you just mentioned yeah um what gave you the confidence to really go for it nonetheless i think the kickstarter was very yeah. helpful and we did that purposely to gauge interest yeah. um so the fact that we were able to reach our 
our pre-sales goal within 23 hours was, I guess, you know, all the proof that we kind of needed. And then we looked at some data. We had some really compelling data that showed that natural energy drink sales were increasing at an astonishing rate and that sports and energy drinks are the fastest growing segment within soft drinks. So, and we, we had a look around at the market and we felt it really wasn't as competitive as some other kind of spaces within FMCG. So, and then, and then, you know, being um, the perfect, by the way, can you explain what FMCG is? Sure. It's fast moving consumer goods. So the fact that I, as well as a consumer, wasn't being served by any of the options on the market, I knew that this product needed to be out there. Mm -hmm. And the number of people now that we get, you know, inbound from telling us how much it's helped them and how they've never been able to really process caffeine uh, well, or, you know, someone's daughter was just diagnosed with ADHD and it's helped them so much. Mm -hmm. Um, It means the world. And I think it, it, it is proof that this product needs to exist and there's a place for it in the market. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a second to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Furniture Box. Furniture Box is an online furniture retailer that makes awesome products for everywhere from your bedroom to your office. Now we actually had Monty and Dan, the co-founders on our show, that's how we met. We loved their story and we hung out with them afterwards and we knew that we wanted to work with them. And here's the thing, one of the biggest issues I have whenever I've ordered furniture in the past is that certain big name furniture companies, not naming any names, will charge you a fairly large fee for delivery and even then that delivery usually takes a few days if not longer. With Furniture Box, not only do they offer free next day delivery, but they're now planning on extending their delivery cutoff even more so that you can literally order a dining set as late as 8pm and be eating dinner on it the next day. So to put it simply, there's no one in the UK furniture scene that's doing anything like what they're doing and we're thrilled to have them as our sponsor. So click the link in the show notes and check them out. Now back to the episode. So um, on that note, uh, Marissa, I wanted to ask you specifically. So you had uh, obviously this effect with matcha and you had this experience with matcha. Um, When it came time to actually approaching uh, Teddy and Levi about it, um, were there any hesitations in your mind about working with friends? I mean, obviously we're two best friends and you know, we're from school and everything and we think it's great working with friends, but we've also heard horror stories from people about, I would never work with friends and family. This person stole from Mm. me, that person let me down. So what can you sort of touch on that? Absolutely. I think at first we were all just so excited by the idea that we were, again, a bit delusional. But I think at the end of the day, it's almost a superpower because we care so much about one another that we would never do anything to jeopardize the relationship. And that goes above everything else. I think it also allows for really enhanced communication because we all know each other so well. We know that we won't offend the other person, or we might, and then we talk about it. And I think as well, we all just respect each other Mm. so much. So respect kind of underlies everything that we do. And if we have a disagreement, you know, we will be respectful about it and kind and compassionate because we care about Mm. one another. So how do you split the responsibilities then between the three of you? We all fell fell very naturally into our respective roles. I look over branding and marketing. Teddy oversees sales and ops. And Levi does all of our kind of HR admin finance um, when he can because he still has a full-time job. So that all came pretty naturally and it and it's good because we all stick within our our verticals but Mm. there is overlap you know teddy is very involved in coming up with different content ideas i go to every major pitch and help there so it is very collaborative in that sense 
Mm. And just on the pitch front then, can you talk us through how you got into places like Tesco? During the juice you've already touched on, but Tesco, for anyone who's been yeah. starting an FMCG business and thinks that, that's the dream goal yeah. of getting in, you know, the UK. Yeah, because that's huge. That's huge. When's, so, when's yeah. this podcast being, podcast being released? Uh, this will be in about two weeks About two so. weeks. Yeah, about two weeks. Uh, but we're launching to Waitrose as well, which is super oh, exciting. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Congratulations. So, and we have some other really cool launches coming up that we can't. Yeah. Talk about like we're launching new products with Tesco as well. Oh, awesome. Uh, from June, which is super cool. Wow. Waitrose, that's awesome. Yeah, which is super cool. Uh, okay. So... You guys have grown so yeah. like Honestly, yeah. I feel like it's just accolade after accolade with you. It's like, yeah. how, how long has it been now that you since starting the business? So it's we... been 19 months since launching the drinks. Yeah. Wow. Months. Wow. Yeah. And is that from launching the Kickstarter? No, that's been two years. Two years. Right. Two years this month. But to be in this position two years down the road is really impressive. Thank you. you. On, really on the pitching it. front, it's really interesting because I think the biggest barrier that startup food and beverage brands think that they as the reason why they can't get into someone like tesco is they don't have the data so you'll have at a typical brand you'll have these category teams that will go and present tesco saying the market's growing at x percent the category's growing at x percent here's the opportunity blah blah, blah. these market reports cost tens of thousands of pounds and we couldn't afford that mm. so what approach did we take we took a very brand-led approach you know when we first launched into holland and barrett we promised them celebrity endorsement and we didn't know where that celebrity endorsement was coming from, but we, we found it and we made it work because we knew that that kind of exposure and ambassadorship would be crucial to building the brand. Yeah, sure. So when we went and pitched Tesco, we got super lucky because sitting in front of us was a buyer that was a lady who looked at the fridge and didn't resonate with any brand. And she didn't feel like there was a product on the shelf that could help her fulfill her need for energy um, and not make her feel like shit. Mm. So truthfully, I think a lot of it has just been building relationships. And I think that's super overlooked. Nothing we do is transactional. The way that we treat buyers is as if they are influencers because they are. Buyers have the power mm. to dictate health outcomes of an entire country because they literally are the gatekeepers to deciding what yeah. you guys pick up in your meal deal. Yeah, and it's also the case of, you know, it's like brand advocacy. It's like, you know, if someone likes it, they will tell people. Definitely. And so Absolutely. that is the best that yeah. is the best route. So for anyone that doesn't know, then when it comes to things like, you know, even getting into the room with someone like Tesco, how does that work? I mean, could I just email someone at Tesco mm. and get a meeting? You don't get a response. Right. So that's what I'm that's the stuff that I'm curious <laughs> so about. I think just to Teddy's point about relationships, there's one quote I love that transactions are temporary but relationships are forever. So I really think that when we look back at our journey, especially with Tesco, it started by trying to build that relationship with the previous buyer in that category. And the the way we were able to do that was by installing a very helpful plugin for LinkedIn and we were able to get the buyer's email. And I think because we had already launched with Holland & Barrett, yeah. there was some general knowledge about our brand. And so he, he took the call. He didn't have to, but he did. Yeah. And he was so kind and so helpful and just really great to chat with and gave us a, a lot of really interesting data about tesco strategy the the market you know the the category and we kept chatting from there mm. and um, maintained that relationship to the point where when he eventually left we had built that relationship up to the point where he said well i'll introduce you to the new buyer and that was everything to mm. us. As an example, there's a buyer called Fifi. I won't say where she works at, but she works at a really big distributor that will dictate where you, what you drink at a pub or a bar or a restaurant or a hotel. And I reached out to Fifi for advice and she was kind enough to jump on a Zoom. And I, she, now today she's our, she's our friend. 
and we met up the other day and she said to me i really thought you were shit at your job i'm allowed to swear on it yeah yeah, 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 yeah yeah i really thought you were shit at your job and i was like why she's like we had a zoom call and you didn't even ask me to list your product i said because i didn't want a listing i just wanted advice and i think people like her you know they're used to conversations mm. interactions being very transactional mm. and so there's that famous phrase i'm going to butcher it but basically in fundraising if you ask for money you'll get advice and if you ask for advice you'll get money and that's always okay. the approach we've taken whenever we reach out to people over cold emails or linkedin mm. or whatever it's for advice because that advice can lead to a listing or it can just lead to you improving your strategy it's a relationship it's the start of a relationship with yeah day, right? yeah that's for sure. sure i think it has to be authentic as well because i think people will hear that and they'll be like right i've got to put out value and they'll just be like what's a quote i can give or what's yeah. this so it has to be authentic and it clearly comes from an authentic place with the way that you guys are doing it yeah um with the content strategy because that's the thing i think is is really really fascinating um have there been any, have there been any kind of uh, gems that like steven's dropped that you think would be useful to share with people that might be trying to market their business in terms of his advice on your content production and, and strategy Mm. I think really the value piece, adding value to strangers is super important because when you think about what you might currently be posting, you might be appealing to your current audience and they know you already. But if someone were to go to your socials and they just clicked on a random post, mm. would they have any context into, into who you are, what you're doing, what you're selling? Um, would it be clear to them? Or would they want to stick around and learn more? So thinking about it from that perspective, I think you can you can get so deeply ingrained in, in your business that it's kind of tough to lift your head up and kind of assess like, okay, or look at it from a different angle. Mm. Um, and so just having that reminder that you know what you're you're currently appealing to your you, you know your current audience um and then you you need to incorporate other styles to appeal to a wider audience mm. um because that's how you'll get people to um you know engage yeah. share so that's the other thing um i would mention a, a really useful piece of advice from steven would be how can you increase engagement and that kind of looks like replying to comments, mm. starting kind of conversation threads on your posts, um, asking questions, open-ended questions that people can give their you know um, responses to. So. My, my biggest obstacle to creating great content, I think for my own personal brand and for LinkedIn is myself. And I said this to Stephen, I said, I don't, because I don't feel like successful and because we have this imposter syndrome, I feel like that prevents me from putting out some content where I feel like I'm giving advice because mm. people are going to be like, who are yeah, you to yeah, who the, who, who the yeah. fuck are you to give yeah. advice? But yeah. truthfully, like we do have a lot of advice to give and I do feel like we've earned the right to be able to pride, provide value in that way. And so he said to me, he said that you will be the biggest barrier to you producing great mm. content. And I think it's hundred percent right. The vulnerability piece and putting yourself out there um, and feeling like you have the self-worth to be able to provide advice for other people mm. is probably the biggest barrier to most people. Yeah. I would also add, it doesn't just have to be advice though. It can be a really funny story that kind of, you know, is relatable. Mm. People are like, yeah, I've been there. Mm. Um, you know, if people are saving your posts or they're resharing them, that's also massive. You know, that's, that, that's engagement. Yeah, sure. Just in a different way, not a comment. What's something about... Uh, running an fmcg business that people might not expect like maybe an obstacle or a hard thing that people might not have thought would be an issue but has actually been a bit of a bit of a hurdle for you yeah 99.99 percent of my day is spent dealing with problems and obstacles whether it's a fire at a manufacturer yeah. 
whether it's a shipment to we've just launched in Estonia, <laughs> whether it's okay. a shipment to Estonia okay. that's gone um, AWOL. <laughs> Why Estonia? Just out of interest. We've, the we've launched market. with um, Arquette, which are known, which are owned by H and M. Yeah, yeah. And so we've got their, we've got a global partnership with okay. them. So yeah, we distribute to all and the it's best just, stores. It's just gone missing. Yeah, it's just gone missing, and it's Casually, stuff, as it it's stuff like that, and you know, zero point zero 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 one percent, whatever difference to what I said before. Is, yeah, is doing amazing podcasts like this. You know, a lot of it is a fucking grind. Mm. Yeah, 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 but. You know, we made the decision that if we were going to put in the hours, we might as well do it for ourselves and do something we're passionate about. So, for sure, yeah. I think another thing, not just F for FMCG, in um, you know, I guess specifically, just for any business owner or someone who is looking to start a business, I think understanding the kind of time requirements that it takes. Mm and the sacrifices as well. I mean, I'm from America, I barely go home. I barely speak to family. We 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 rarely socialize, we, we work a lot. Um, and that's kind of what it takes, you know, depending on what you're trying to build as well. If you want a lifestyle business, then I think it's more manageable mm. um, and that's totally fine. I think that's amazing. But I think for us, we're really trying to grow at a, at a, a very rapid pace and that takes a lot of effort. And just for the record, like <laughs> this isn't really about mental health or whatever, but I've felt emotions that I've never mm. felt before. You know, I've always never been an anxious person and I've had days where I, you know, I'm struggling to get out of bed because I feel like I have a brick on my chest. Yeah. And there is just that aspect, aspect that is a reality and having spoken to other business owners and founders, it's something that I like to talk about because I don't think it's something that's spoken about enough. Like yeah, hustle the, porn is yeah, really, yeah, is really over. But how do you manage that? Because I, I'm, I, I'm the same. To be yeah. honest with you, I've definitely noticed that my relationships with some of my friends, I'm seeing them far less than I used to. Yeah. Because um, we've just spent so much time building, mm. building this. And I felt the chest thing too. Like yeah, I, I haven't quite got to just... that point, but I, yeah, I've definitely yeah. felt the anxiety for sure. Yeah. Um. So how do you how do you manage it? What's your sort of advice if you can if you can offer it? On um, on yeah. the friends piece. Yeah. I, I like to think about it this way. I look at life in chapters and I think about this chapter of my life and it's yeah. dedicated to making Perfect Head a success. Yeah. And so it's a good I, way of looking at it. Mm. I understand that there will be, you know, further chapters in this book and I'll have many, many, you know, lovely times to spend with friends in the future. Um, and I have had in the past. And so I, you know, think about really great times mm. and then I'm like, one day it'll happen again, but not not yeah. in the near future. P yeah. Playing devil's advocate, do you think, uh, I mean, do you think there's a chance that you might, as Perfect Ted gets bigger and better, which I have no doubt it will be, it's a great product. Uh, you. Do you think they'll get to a point where, you know, you say, well, okay, in five years, when I've earned X amount or Perfect Ted has done X amount, then I'll see my friend. But then at that point you're like, well, now he might well to get to this level. They don't want to or your friends might not be there in five years. Yeah. That's what I mean. So do you ever right. think about there's that risk of if you get there, you might it, you might kick the can further down the line with it? No pun intended. <laughs> oh, you <yeah>. love that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even realize you did that. Okay. And I'm the comedian. <laughs> yeah. I think I think my grandmother always likes to say, you have to know when to hold and when to fold. And I think that will be very obvious when the time comes. Um, but I do think that the the true real friends will be there in five years because um, they're here now and, and they provide support in a different way and are incredible. Um, so yeah, I think we're very lucky to have that support system in our lives that understand what we're doing. The thing that comes to mind for me is I've been watching the Lewis Capaldi 
documentary. I've never watched that, but I want. It's on my it's on my list. It's really good. And I think at one point he'd just been super successful with a album launch, whatever, and he was like, "I've never felt more insecure in my life." And I think when you have a moment like Dragon's Den and you have the growth that we've seen, it can go two ways. You can either have a really inflated ego, become a dick, Mm. and just like ride the wave and attention, Mm. which is cool. Like Mm. it's cool. Or I think you can, and I think this happens when there's such a disparity between how you feel about yourself and how others perceive you, that dichotomy can cause insecurity. And so actually when you talk about, when you say that we're successful or that I'm successful, it actually just makes me more insecure in a way because the level of expectation and pressure that that imposes on me, and you're totally, by the way, I know it's a compliment and I love it. And like, I do, I do think it's very nice. And I do think it's the right thing to say. And, um, but I do think that expectation and that pressure, even now, you know, the business has grown to a point where we're sharing it with Steven's team. Like, this is the growth. This is what we hit this month. Okay. That month is only as good as, you know, Mm. that month. And then Mm. next month it's like you reset the clock and it's what can you hit? Um, so the expectation is Mm. higher. The stakes are higher. Um, at what point if, sorry, go on. I was going to say, um, I do think though that one tactic that you can employ to get away from that a little bit, that kind of insecure feeling is taking count of everything that you have done, looking around and thinking, this is pretty amazing, Um, which I said earlier that we have not done enough. But I do find that in those really strong moments of anxiety, um, you know, for instance, we just moved into a new office and the process of moving was grueling and I was not having fun. And then I kind of just stopped and I thought, this is a physical sign of growth. This is insane. Mm. And we're so fortunate to have the opportunity to be in this office Mm. space. Um, Why don't I just like look at it in a different lens? And I think it's about that reframing in your mind. Mm. You need to take a step back sometimes. Yeah. And actually look at the the bigger picture of what it is. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Do you ever think the imposter syndrome will go away? No, because I think the challenges that we'll start facing or the people we'll start being in a room with, with will also get crazier mm. i mean we went to this founders event where it was like half the cast of made in chelsea and these founders of these big brands and it was a bunch of vc firm venture capital firms and they were being interviewed and they asked you know someone asked the question what's one piece of advice you'd give for founders that are looking to raise money and they said well you know timing's really important but then there are brands like perfect ted where we're begging to open up a fundraise mm, and wow. the whole room like clapped and i think for that me, must have been a moment that was a moment and for me you know, there are other moments where I'll be on a Zoom call and we'll, I'll just think, you know, I'm pitching the product, pitching the brand, and they'll ask if they can take a photo of a Zoom because they saw our episode and they want to show it to their kids wow. and they're big Dragon's Den fans. Or That's cool. The other day I was on the Tube and this guy, not to stereotype, but was covered in face tattoos from Liverpool and really strong. And I don't know why, I just didn't think that he was the kind of guy that would drink our drinks because we skew 65, 70% female, etc. And uh, he sits down next to me, he goes, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm in food and drink. He goes, is it Dragon's Den worthy? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He goes, I watched your episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, so those, uh, those kind of moments make yeah, it worth yeah. it. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many amazing stories. I mean, yeah, like you've yeah. got such a crazy journey ahead of you. <laughs> I know. Do you, ha- do you have any thoughts on where you want to take it? Do you, have, do you want to take in anything aside from drinks or do you, want to, do you want to do like any more media stuff in the vein of the kind of things that Rebel have done in your own way? Mm. 
It's funny. We were actually just talking earlier about this idea we had to sponsor an OnlyFans um, wow. creator. That, that would so, be a first for a drink company. Oh, yeah. 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 And um, because similarly, you know, Red Bull sponsors all these sporting events. And we were thinking, what's something crazy that hasn't been done, but could also be really on brand for us. And mm. the reason why is because, you know, we feel we're very creative. OnlyFans, quite a creative platform it, and it, it, very it empowering. And, and the point of our drinks and our brand really is to help other people feel their best and feel empowered and energized. And I feel like that's how a lot of OnlyFans creators probably feel. Yeah, yeah. So it felt very uh, apropos. So that's, you could maybe see that in the future. Um, wow. I think, you know, we have our powder, um, our matcha powder, and that we, we, we hope to continue to grow. Um, we're also going to be launching some other kind of packaging formats for our matcha powder. So stay tuned. Um, but beyond that, you know, anything really that continues on this mission of spreading positive energy specifically though through matcha green tea um so whether that's maybe caffeinated snacks who knows mm. who knows yeah for, for me personally i think what's so exciting about the position we're in right now is we've built this brand so publicly and like for better or worse you know it will continue to be public and so if we continue to do well great you'll be on this mm. amazing journey with us and if we stumble and struggle whatever you great you'll also see that too and i think when you put yourself in a position to be that exposed and that vulnerable and that authentic for me personally i now have the power to go on and and do anything not from like because i'm capable to do anything but because i'm not holding myself back from like an expectation yeah, perspective yeah. Cool. you know if i wanted to go and launch like as example like I'm not, I'm not okay, gonna, really okay. Yeah. We're going down that road yeah. now. It's a left serious turn. TGF yeah. exclusive coming. Now, yeah, all right. I'm not going into, <laughs> but I do. Yet. <laughs> yet, um, but I do think there is such a stigma associated with certain industries, and the number one thing we get is like, do you not feel worried? Like, what if the brand doesn't work out? You're the face of the brand, like the faces of the brand. Yeah. Um, do you not feel like you're not concerned that you know people are going to think differently of you? Too late. It's out there. Mm. So like there is there is no there's nothing that you guys don't really know about me up until now. And it is also like with stuff like when people say things like that, because I've had people say things like that before, and it is such a stupid thing to say because it's like, are you not worried? It's like, well, my face is all over it. Yeah. Now. So yeah. what literally what can you gain by it's telling so me that? Freeing. I can't now delete all of the posters and the products, can I? Yeah, it's yeah. so freeing. Like yeah. you know, all of our Instagram followers have seen my nipples at one point or another in no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel a bit left out, Teddy. Yeah. I haven't seen yeah, shit. Right. We need I'm a little research. Yeah. I've been asking you questions for an hour. I haven't seen dick. Um, I was going to ask, uh, in terms of like hiring, right? So obviously you're quite yeah. media focused now. Who was your first hire? How did you know, or in terms of what, like what role, not their name and address. Yeah. Um, who was your first hire? What made you think you were ready to hire someone? And how did you decide that that role was the first role you needed to fill? A first like permanent proper hire was... They were two at the same time. Who were the two? Shawnee and Sharon. Oh yeah, Shawnee and Sharon. The same time. So yeah, same yeah. time, same day. Yeah. Um, we hired a head of sales mm -hmm. and a content creator who actually is a comedian. You should check out his work. And he pranked us and that's how we met him. Okay. It was hilarious. Levi, our co-founder actually organized it that he pretended to be a prospective marketing candidate. Okay. And it was 30 minutes of pure nonsense in our office to the point where he went to the bathroom. The whole thing was recorded. And he went to the bathroom and Teddy goes, 
Marissa, he's crazy, right? Like crazy. And I was so paranoid that I was like, shh, be quiet, you know, very respectful. But then Teddy found the hidden camera after he um, told us that he slept with Justin Bieber and a bunch of other. (laughs) There's no way this is real. He kept calling me delicious mid-interview, which is always interesting. That's always a red flag. (laughs) I am delicious. That's great. (laughs) So Levi did that as a way because he knew it'd be good content. Yeah. Yeah. He thought it would be hilarious. But then it turns out we got a drink with Charon, um, the guy who pranked us after, and we just vibed and he reached out and said actually are you really hiring because i'd love to join the team so he also joined at the same time um and he's he's since gone on to pursue his full-time comedy career and we're super proud of him um but now we have a full-time videographer growing our marketing team we have our ops manager uh field sales field sales executive so we're growing quite quickly one thing i'm I'm proud of is that our average age of our team is 23 and a half which I love. That's, that's dope. That's good. And most people do not have a university degree. So. Hell yeah. Neither do we. Yeah, neither do we. We were the only yeah. two, we only two kids. in our year yeah. that didn't go to uni. Really? Yeah. Straight facts. Um, yeah, yeah it's, that's so dope. Um, with, with the, just real quick yeah, on yeah, the content you. thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of like bringing on a videographer, I think a lot of people would think, well, if I'm going to pay someone a, a salary in full time, most of the day we're just sitting in the office. What are they going to do? They're just going to be sitting around getting free money or like making a YouTube short every once in a while. Like, how yeah. do you justify that cost and how do you give them enough to do? Mm. Well, Teddy mentioned earlier, we're really fortunate that we have a lot of exciting things going on on a day to day basis, almost to the point where, you know, we'll have things overlap and we'll have to decide, okay, um, Mark, our videographer, will go to this, not that. Um, So we're we're really lucky in that sense. But when we have weeks that are a bit more quiet, we'll think of storylines. So for instance, um, we just hired this incredible woman named Gagan and her story of how we met her and just her, her actual like upbringing is super inspiring. Inspiring. She reached out, asked for um, advice. Advice, yes, exactly. She asked for public speaking advice, and Teddy said, "I'll do you one better. Um, I'll jump on a Zoom with you right now." They met. Teddy found her to be amazing. She he invited her in to share her story with the team, and we all just fell in love with her. She was like, "I got to shoot my shot. Mm. Are you hiring?" I will, I don't care what it is. I will be the best at whatever you need me to do. Right. Um, so hungry, so driven. And I think that she just is so brave and she comes from a, a, a more difficult upbringing. Um, and I think the fact that she's, you know, gone through so much adversity and is now, mm. you know, working so hard mm. and is incredible. We want to create a storyline out of that. Well, so how can we package that into a piece of content that that kind of showcases the story of Gagan and how she's come onto the team? Mm. So that's, you know, one example of a piece of content that we'd work on. Or we'll do a skit. Um, so yeah. we'll think of funny ideas and um, or pranks. Um, you know, for instance, we we opened up a matcha cafe on the tube. So we'll think okay. of other places like what are some really bizarre places we can open up a matcha cafe? Okay, what about a ferry? What about like my bedroom and mm. and, and Levi comes home and I'm like, hi, what can I get you? You know, I so just funny stuff like if, that. If you think about the majority of the influences majority of influencers the majority of the content that they're putting out there is is pretty mundane yeah you know? it is yeah um and actually i think you know there there are youtube channels dedicated to watching people eat yeah <laughs> so Still the fact that we can you know very excitingly one of our distributors um in bahrain is owned by one of the shakes of bahrain so the 
the Sheikh was in London um, this week. And, you know, giving people access to a meeting with the Sheikh or we had a meeting with one of the top VCs in, in, in the UK and showing people how venture capital was done mm. and what it takes to, or you know, what's involved in sort of those conversations, I think is, is, is the kind of content we want to continue to put out, but also dating. Like mm. I, I, I often, have, for some reason, am picked as like the butt of the joke, but like, right. The, the, yesterday they shared some dating tips from me and I'm single so right. <laughs> take it from a single man <laughs> right. just like the majority of con- like if you can create if you have interesting personalities behind the content mm. you could be making a soup and, and people would watch it yeah no that is very mm. true and you guys are really genuine when, when you know when you're doing your content clearly and it comes across thank you, thank you. I, th- I think we're also really fortunate because we've kind of it brought together this group of people that all really like each other mm. and we're all friends and so we just like banter have a great time yeah. while working really hard yeah. um and it's just a, it's really fun actually and yeah. unfortunately i think a lot of people are quite unhappy in what they do on a day-to-day basis and so if you are kind of showcasing you know people laughing in the office mm. and just having a good time it's kind of an escape for a lot of people mm, um and so i think that's one thing that we're providing definitely is there anything you wish you'd done differently in terms of in terms of anything on this journey so far is there anything you think actually we probably could have done that better or that would have been a better way to go about it mm. yeah i'm sure there are i think for me uh coming into this year like my new year's resolution was to be fearless and i think in so many ways that's given us a superpower to go and try things take risks and see what the fuck happens Mm. but in some ways that has also led me to be a bit more like numb to certain Mm. emotions because that kind of fear and anxiety can also like if you're fearless and you live in this constant state of just like okayness and like you're not scared you're not worried Mm. but you don't get too excited you're just kind of like super stable I think it kind of takes away from some of the fun. And so actually some of that anxiety or nervousness can be good. And so one thing that I'm working on, like I, I meditate a lot, not to mm-hmm. sound like every other person that goes on the No, podcast. no, no, it's the way it works, man. It's yeah, cliches yeah. and cliches for a reason, you know. But I, I, I love it. And I think yeah. for me that, that helps me stay in sync. And you mentioned uh, that you're the kind of main guy that does the pitches and you focus on more branding and marketing, you focus on ops and pitching. What do you think are any tips or secrets to a good pitch? Um, that's, I was asked Laugh that question. Laugh because it Yeah, no, because I was asked that question today. Oh, right, okay. 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 I, At least we're original. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't on a podcast, so, worry, so this is another exclusive. <laughs> cool. Um, Marissa can definitely add a lot of value, but I think a, a few different things. One is storytelling. So people aren't going to resonate with like slides or pitch decks or facts or figures. Um, and so, so whenever we start a pitch, we're always telling Marissa's story and why the product needs to be out there and why that buyer has an obligation to make it more accessible to more people. Mm. I think in doing so as well, you're creating an emotional connection and an emotional reaction. I think even if people don't have anxiety per se, I'm sure all of us have experienced anxious moments. Mm. And so it is something that people are able to identify with. And so by you know, bringing it up and as one of the reasons why we've created the drinks um, to help remedy, you know, people's anxiety. Um, I think it does resonate a lot more because you're kind of pulling at the emotional heartstrings mm. of, of consumers, buyers, investors, whoever they may be. Sure. Like, like, I think people buy from people. Mm. And I think that's often forgotten is like people will often buy a product or service from someone they like 
versus maybe a better product or service from someone they don't like. Mm. So the baseline should just be being likable and building that relationship. Well, yeah, I will say to that effect, uh, as we sort of come near the end here, you are very genuine even off camera and uh you know it's it's easy it for anyone it's Thank easy you. for anyone to kind of uh you know be nice for an hour when the cameras and the lights are on but like uh you know the way you guys jonah hill known <laughs> 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 to be a dick yeah, yeah. <laughs> i did i haven't heard that okay so it's another we're just dropping tj yeah. <laughs> um but no but it really does show like the way the energy you guys carry off camera even before yeah. we started shooting like you clearly really give a shit which is a good thing yeah and you're also clearly very like sincere honest and like nice people that actually really like your product and, and want to make something cool which is the yeah. dopest thing. So I'm so happy for you guys and it's Thank going you. really well. As we round off every episode, we ask all of our guests the exact same question, which is for anyone at home who might already have a business or be thinking of starting a business, if you could give one piece of practical advice and you can give one each, um, what would that be? And focusing on the practical or the actionable. So a lot of people, you know, mm. the thing that separates our podcast from other interview podcasts is they do a lot of high touch, motivational, kind of believe in yourself, never give up, blah, blah, blah. No. Anything that's kind of practical. It could be a guerrilla marketing thing or a hiring thing or a growth thing. Anything. Anything go, practical. And go first or you want to go first? You can go first. Start. Like, honestly, start. And that is not cliche. Like, I'm going to go in a little bit deeper on that. Our product was not perfect when we launched. In fact, like, if, if we still had that product today, we would not be in the position we are. And actually, I probably wouldn't drink it. Mm. So, start because it will never be perfect. And it will never... T- we were meant to launch a completely different product. Actually, yeah. the money that we raised money for on Kickstarter was a matcha latte in a different packaging. It was in a Tetra pack, which is like a carton. It wasn't a matcha energy drink in a can. And it was only until I'd quit my job and I realized that it, you know, that we realized that it had to work, that we were willing to push through all of the shit and all of the reasons that people told us it wouldn't work. If I had an out, if I had an escape, if I had another job, if this was a side hustle, I don't think, I think I would have quit. And also the other thing, other piece of advice is like, I would never have done this alone. Truthfully, Marissa's, she's cool. But, um, but I think going on this journey alone for me, I would have quit 10 times. You know, genuinely, I would have quit 10 times. And so if, in my opinion, if you're an entrepreneur looking to start a business or anyone looking to start a venture, I think it's a lot easier if you have someone there by your side. Yeah, absolutely. My piece of advice actually builds on what Teddy's saying. I think, um, for any entrepreneur, founder, um, if they do have a co-founder, it's great because they have someone there as well to give them kind of affirmation that they're doing a good job. But it's difficult to tell sometimes if you are doing a good job. Obviously you can gauge whether or not you are based on how the business is doing, but I think sometimes it gets really freaking hard. You can lose motivation, you can feel super down, and you kind of at times forget about why you started it in the first Mm. place. I think it becomes really easy to kind of forget that purpose. And so something I do that is actionable is I screenshot customer reviews. I screenshot emails from, you know, um, customers saying that the product has really helped them. And it's such a powerful reminder of why we're doing this. Um, Or I'll just email, you know, if I got a really nice message from someone saying that they really enjoyed working with us um, on a partnership, I'm like, that was really nice. Mm. And I think it's important to just have those tidbits that remind you that you're doing great. Like, just keep going, you know? I just want to add, sorry, one last thing. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, uh, just on like the just starting piece, like the, the number one thing that I hear that like frustrates me and I think that I would want to be told is P- 
people always make excuses to why they haven't started. Oh, I will get to it next week or whatever. And I think holding yourself accountable and just doing what you said you were going to mm. do. You know, if anyone reaches out to me on LinkedIn or over email and they're not trying to sell me a, a software service, yeah. like, and they're asking for advice, I will genuinely offer any advice that yeah. I, if I, if I am in a position to even offer anything that I think is valuable. Mm. But what is so frustrating is when people know what they need to do, but they just don't do it. And it might be anxiety. It might be uncertainty. It might be laziness. But like those people, I don't have as much time for mm-hmm. because like only you can kind of help yourself. Of course. Stephen Bartlett is not going to run our business for us. He is not going to get the cans onto Tesco's shelf. What he can do mm-hmm. is pour fuel on the fire and uh, provide a lot of strategic advice and support and mentorship and love and attention. Um, but it needs to come from you. Yeah. Mm. It's funny what you say about this, you know, not pitching you uh, something or a software or whatever, because they're, they're getting sneaky with it now. Like I even get it on Instagram. Yeah. Like when I post, <laughs> I'll post comedy clips and I'll get people DMing me like, hey man, love your comedy. And I'm like, thanks man. Like, yeah. you know, maybe this things go, who's making your content? Do you have a way? And I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Down the sales funnel. Yeah. You guys. And the screenshot yeah, yeah. thing is so true. I, yeah. I've never heard of anyone else doing that. I've been doing that for years and no one else does that. And it's so crazy that you say the exact same thing. It's mm. so great. Screenshotting little victories. And when mm. you are a bit low, you look back and you're like, no, I am getting somewhere with this. And it Absolutely. helps the further you get. Reminders. We have a Slack channel called customer feedback and we always just throw some amazing yeah. things. In As there. you should. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a good. question for you two. Yeah. yeah sure. What advice would you give someone who was looking to start their own venture or business? That's a good question. That's a very good I question. Think, I think the one thing I've heard is kind of touches on what you two said is to genuinely do it with a co-founder. Because I think, I mean, we've had this conversation quite a few times. I personally don't think I could do this on my own. Because mm. even something like setting up the studio and a kind of production agency, you'd think it would be relatively straightforward to do that. And there have been so, as I'm sure they have with your business, so many hurdles that you don't even anticipate or know of. And to have someone there, not only to actually lean on when times are tough, but also celebrate the victories is a hugely important factor. And it also just makes the journey fun. Yeah, I've actually there hasn't been a point even in our lowest moments we were we've talking had, about them earlier today we've had them for sure even in our like lowest moments I've enjoyed every single part yeah. of, of getting even to where we are which is very embryonic but you know I've really enjoyed it so for me that would be yeah my piece of advice yeah I mean yeah I completely agree with that um, I think mine would be probably closer to yours about starting but I think uh, I think one of the things that I think stops a lot of people from starting and that's why Uh, when we first came up with the idea for the podcast it was about really getting down to the granular of understanding how people build things Um, because a lot of these podcasts do focus on you know a little bit about the early and then it's like anyway we got bought by Deliveroo and it's like whoa hang on hold the fuck on like what you just you had five employees and now like that's the bit and I think it does often make a lot of you know entrepreneurialism seem out of people's reach so i would say what i've realized from doing this i mean he even said to me today i would never have thought if you told me a year ago i'd be running a podcast agency uh, and having our podcast and sitting down with you know people like you guys uh so i think realizing that everyone's kind of figuring it out yeah i think you have this idea of business and entrepreneurship that like everyone is super qualified and everyone knows what they're doing and you're just this maggot that like has no you don't deserve to start a business and it's like no everyone's figuring it out and just yeah, yeah just just do something just put something out and then you can always make it better yeah i, I have one more question yeah because yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. um, something you you said made me think of something that like mm. mercer and i are not special in any way yeah. like genuinely not special not different we just started and mm. We were consistent and, and put in the reps um, and we're continuing to put in the reps like after this, we're going back to the office. But 100%. Um, what advice, you guys aren't super old. I won't reveal to the to the audience how old you are because I know because you're the same age as my brother. <laughs> but <laughs> what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? So forget starting a business. Um, what advice would you, you know, 
18-year-old self. The, th- the thing I have, which is going to sound really corny on camera, but I would say, honestly, just trust the process. Yeah. Of Just trust where your life is going yeah. and believe that it will get better. Because there are points when you're 18, like, there are points where it was just so shit. And you think, okay, you're going from one job to another, you're not particularly passionate about it, but you're just doing it for the sake of it. And yet, fast forward 10 years down the line, and we're, we're sat here, and mm. I'm just it's such a good place you think okay actually it is just about trusting the process and yeah. that genuinely believe stuff happens for a reason is there so a breakup you want to talk about <laughs> so, so that's episode two <laughs> yeah. Teddy, that's still yeah. Next time. yeah and also they all falls off a cliff now that's yeah. Fine. yeah yeah and also um uh the, what was the last point you just made well, about trusting the process about trusting the process yeah i would say uh i would say just to anyone at that age just try just yeah. try as much shit as you yeah. can. Just pick something up, try it. And if you don't like it, fine, try something else. But I, I I, know a lot of people have gone through the thing of, you know, they get to sort of their mid-20s and they're not maybe thrilled with the job they're doing, but they haven't really done anything else. They go to the pub and they play video games, whatever. And they're yeah. not really trying to solve that problem, but they're also not happy. And I think a lot of it's just, I've done, I've done so much shit. I mean, I've started so many countless stupid online businesses. I've done music. I've done unpaid theater. I've done random marketing bits and bobs. I've done consulting. Like, I've, you know, I've done the finance thing i've done i've done so much shit and it's been 10 years on the grind to finally get to a point where i'm like with my best mate and we've actually got something that's starting to pick up that's 10 years of like failing Mm. and having to look like a i've always said this you have to be willing to look like a fool for a very long time to do your own thing you have to it's a lot of family gatherings a lot of friends being like oh sort of friends parents you know oh so what are you oh oh that's that's nice but when are you gonna pack it in you know it's a lot of that and you have to just suck it up and uh so just try and just just genuinely just try stuff i, I really um, resonate with that not just from like a business perspective this is a definitely an exclusive <laughs> but what if you tried totally Teddy? Not, not related to but i think just like trying things personally outside of work that yeah. can turn into what like matcha for me was never a work thing mm. and actually it comes to mind marissa won't even know this but i have a friend that was exploring the kink scene Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even know about this scene. I didn't even know there was this whole underworld. There and is. I went to an event, <laughs> and like that for me. Can you say was... which one it was? No, I'm not, I'm not gonna say which one it was. <laughs> if we censor it, can I? Can I say? If I say a name, can I say if it's that? Sure. Was it? Was it Torture Garden? No, but okay. I know that one. <laughs> no. Okay. And it had to be the most uncomfortable experience. Yeah. Initially, and the most foreign thing to me that I'd ever seen or had could even imagine existed um but i think it was really cool mm. like it's not for me yeah but out of that experience like you know it just opened, yeah, it opened your mind up, up. Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah. and so i'm always open to like that's a very extreme thing yeah but even something like taking up a new sport mm. or you know saying yes to someone who had asked you for a coffee that you maybe never would have said yes yeah, to, yeah. whether mm. that's romantically or platonic be open I to think, experience. Yeah, being a yes, a yes man within reason, I think, has has been something. Cool. I, try, no, I try and live by that. That's an amazing philosophy. Really good piece of advice, guys. This has been you. like this has been such. An I, awesome we could go for another hour. <laughs> really Honestly, go. there's so much more I want to ask you. It's this has been, been so, so good. good. We can talk um, offline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, for now, this has been amazing, guys. Where can people find you? Tesco nationwide, Holland and Barrett. Um, In we- that one there now, because that's <laughs> the last one we've got. <laughs> Waitrose as of the end of May. And Selfridges, Planet Organic, Zap, and our website. Um, yeah. 
and Joe and the Juice of Blink Street. At Perfect Ted Energy. At Perfect Ted. Guys, the cameras are dying because the interview is too hot. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. You guys are crushing it. It's so good. Guys, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe, turn on post notifications. And if you are listening on Spotify and Apple, then please do review and rate us five stars. What an amazing conversation. Honestly, truly one of my favorites. Thank you so much, guys. This has been so awesome. And wish you all the best. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bye.